Hi friends, welcome to this week's episode of East Van Beer Wife. It's me, Keisha, again, coming at you live from East Van. I'm super excited to be with you all this week. I'm going to keep this super brief because I think this week's episode is really important. And it's not so much about my voice this week, but uplifting the voices of other fantastic women. So this week on the podcast, I interviewed Megan Fulton. She currently works for Strange Fellows Brewing and is on the board of directors for Diversity in Brewing. One of the amazing things about Diversity in Brewing is that it got 35 breweries from the Lower Mainland and the surrounding areas to supply money annually to support scholarships for LGBTQ plus and people of color to go through KPU's brewing program. So to me, today's episode is really important and really needs to be heard and highlighted because Megan really spoke to how the brewing community can make their workplaces better for marginalized people, both as employers and for patrons. We really need to have more BIPOC and LGBTQ plus people in this industry. And some of the things Megan highlighted were so important and things I had never even thought of before. Like what specifically could be done to make spaces feel safe and inclusive for everyone, which I think is just a win-win. If people want to come to your space and people want to work in your space, then no one's losing there. But instead of me trying to summarize our entire conversation in a two-minute little segment, I'm going to just pass it on to my conversation with Megan. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm super excited to talk to you. I've got so many questions. So the first question I want to know is, like, I'd love to know your journey into craft beer and, like, how you got here. Yeah, uh, I kind of fell into the industry I used to work at a big coffee company back in the day and I was dating a guy at the time who worked in the industry and introduced me to, it was actually Parallel 49's Chardonnay Sour White, I think it was called. Um, So yeah, I had hated beer always because I really only thought of it as either Guinness, Keith, or pale fizzy lagers and none of those things appealed to me at the time Mm -hmm. so when I found out about sour beers I kind of started going around town seeing what was available and at that point there wasn't a ton there wasn't as much knowledge about it uh, when I was going to liquor stores like a lot of the time if I was looking for a sour beer People thought maybe I was talking about like a whiskey sour. There was just like a lot of confusion mm-hmm. around it. But yeah, I started going to local breweries. I started meeting different people and just kind of as a consumer was really interested in craft beer. And I saw on Craigslist a brewery was hiring for their tasting room way back in the day uh, at Briggs Brewing. And okay. I kind of just applied for shifts and gigs I didn't think I would get it I didn't really know anything about beer I'd never bartended I'd never had that experience in the industry and I went for an interview and got hired and I think my manager at the time at my coffee gig was pretty shocked because he was not expecting me to leave and yeah I, I started at Bridge I was there for a year and a half and then I left there and worked at Callister for a while which is a really awesome experience. I met a lot of great industry folks. Uh, Chris and Diana were really great. Oh, they're like my—they're like my favorite people. Like they're yeah, yeah they're so they're great. Awesome. So I just like started meeting more and more people, and Boombox was there at the time, which was super popular. Yeah, like or Super Flux had been there right before, and Boombox I think kind of continued that haze craze that had started at that point. Oh so, yeah. Tons of people I had never met before were coming in. I made a lot of good friends through working there. And I was in university at the time, finishing my BA in history. And it worked really well working at Callister because they had the cooperative uh, model. So the brewers each worked one shift a week. And I kind of filled in whatever shifts they weren't working. And uh, I eventually graduated and needed a full-time job. So I switched over I got hired at Strange Fellows, where I've been 
Oh my goodness. I think it's, it'll be three years in November, which is kind of insane to think about because I still feel like I'm one of the newer people there, but I guess at this point I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that's, Honestly, I was just browsing Craigslist. Uh, Miss Connections is one of my favorite <laughs> guilty pleasures. Oh, me too. Yeah. And I just started perusing jobs and five years later, here I am. That's so awesome. Um, and so now you've kind of like co-founded, co-created this project, I guess, like diversity and brewing. And I'd love to know like how that came about and like what you guys are, you're focused on what you're working on. I know it's weird with COVID right now, but like what kind of the, like the future of that looks like. Yeah. I think the reception in the industry has been really great from it. So like our initial goals and were met quite quickly so we're kind of shifting gears and trying to expand what we're doing but um heather who is the founder of it which i i don't think she actually likes that term but she is the founder of it (laughs) um he worked at storm so her and i knew each other just from both being in the industry and had followed each other on instagram and talked and once she started kind of getting the wheels rolling on diversity and brewing I was kind of brought into the fold along with my friend Bruce and mm-hmm. Dan who's a really cool beer blogger around town mm-hmm. so the four of us make up the the board of it and uh originally the intention was to work with KPU uh to do the brewing scholarships so that we could you know work towards advocating for more diversity and inclusion within this industry which is so cishet and white and male and we really just wanted to encourage folks that often don't have the opportunities to enter the industry to have these scholarships so I think it was over 35 BC breweries ended up committing to paying towards these scholarships yearly and We've already got the three first applicants, um, the funds raised for them. So that's yeah, amazing. Uh, it kind of took off extremely quick. And I think, I mean, none of us really knew it was going to go so well. And it's incredible that it has. And it's really great to have seen the different breweries in this industry want to work towards it and, you know, put money behind it. And yeah, that, so once we kind of had that happen, we were thinking what else we could do with it. So we've been working on our blog for the last bit. Um, We've been reaching out to different folks in the industry, different people with different kinds of experiences, uh, whether it be, people of different genders, people of different races, sexualities, um, and just we want to be able to have a platform that can be able to share with different breweries tools and ideas towards working towards making better workplaces for marginalized people that are already in the industry mm-hmm. and also paying marginalized people to actually write these things because I think it's a lot of work and emotional labor that goes into creating these blog posts. And it's not completely fair to ask people to do it for free. So right now we're really focusing on trying to figure out how to continue to get funding for that aspect of diversity and brewing. That's fantastic. Like I hadn't even heard of diversity and blue brewing until actually like Kent's wife had emailed me and she gave me a list of amazing women in the industry. And you were on that list of people. She's like, you have to contact Megan. And so then Aww. I'm, I, so then I'm Googling you to try to find how I can find you. Cause she didn't give me anything, but anybody's names. And then like, I found your LinkedIn, which said like, you're like on the board of diversity and brewing. So I looked it up and I was like, why isn't this being talked about more? Like, because I feel like it should be talked about way more. Like, it's amazing to know that there are like scholarship opportunities for like people of color and for people um, in the LGBTQ plus like world. And like that doesn't get talked about. And that makes me super mad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, So I would love to know 
I don't know very many females in the industry who like who brew and I know even less people of color and even less LGBTQ people who work in breweries. Like it's like so minor. So like, I'd love to know like your take on being a woman in the industry, but like more specifically being a woman of color in the industry, because there aren't a lot, especially like not that I know of in Vancouver anyways. I don't want to speak for the whole world, but in Vancouver, you don't yeah. see a lot of BIPOC in, in brewing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny. I was talking to my friend the other day and she asked me if I knew this other black woman who also, she's not in the industry anymore, but she used to work in brewing. And I was like, of course I know her. There's no black women in this industry. No. So the three of us, you know, know each other. Um, but it's hard. Like, it's hard to explain what it's like to be the only person who looks like you at a job. Um, I've never worked with another black person ever, which is pretty insane. Uh, Yeah. That's my mind blowing. Like, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, it's hard and it can feel really isolating. I think the last six months have been particularly difficult for myself personally Mm -hmm. with more and more attention being brought to systemic racism in Canada and the U S and more broadly anti-blackness. And Mm -hmm. I'm often the one black person, black woman, everyone knows. So I kind of felt like my DMS and texts were being blown up by everyone wanting to talk about it and discuss what was going on. And it was, yeah, it was difficult and it's hard to talk about these kind of things in a way that you don't get upset because it does personally affect you. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh, some days are really hard when another black person is murdered by police and you kind of have to just like go about your day as if it's not a piece of you that has like been truly hurt and disappointed by the violence and not having people that are like you to talk to about that can be really hard and isolating. Yeah, like completely. Like for you, like I want to acknowledge that, like, yeah, like white people contacting you when, like, the whole like the Black Lives Matter happened. Like, it's not your job to educate white people. <laughs> like, it's yeah. not like they shouldn't be like contacting you for that. But it, that's what happens, and like, it's just it's so wrong. Yeah, and I like there are so many smart, educated black women and academics that have written you know, for 30 years, like Angela Davis is still alive. Yes. So there's lots of tools and resources, I think, out there. I think, I I think sometimes people, if you don't talk about your experiences with racism, they don't really think about how it can affect you too. Mm-hmm. Like, often when I talk about my experiences with racism, the reaction from like non-people of color is like shock. That mm-hmm. they can't believe I've experienced that and they can't believe it happened. But it is something that happens all the time. It is something that every marginalized person experiences, whether they're queer or a person of color or disabled. Like people experience oppression in different ways and it, it's really hard to escape it. So it's, yeah, without having people that are in the same shoes as you and in the same boat as you I think yeah it's just kind of lost sometimes that like racism isn't this concept that exists in the United States towards black people like people here and you people you know and love that are black experience it too yeah completely yeah it's not a it's not a United States problem it's an everywhere problem like it's yeah, yeah. I uh, did a really amazing webinar with uh, Rachel Ricketts um, and, uh, she's amazing. And she's like, pay black women, pay indigenous women, like give them jobs, give them money, like support them. Like, this is how we fix things. Like we have to like uplift BIPOC. And it's like, yeah, that just seems so simple, but it's not like because of centuries of garbage. Like, it's like, just hire people. Like it's give them jobs. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest I don't want to say excuses, but the biggest reason I hear all the time about different kinds of marginalized people not being hired is the excuse time and time again that they're just not applying. And I always 
kind of wonder like what kind of vibe and energy are you putting out there and how is your copy being written when you're writing these kind of applications that makes it seem as if they don't want to apply because it's not as if Vancouver is all white you know like I think no. Vancouver like, it, like there's not a lot of black people here but there are a significant amount of people of color from around the world and there's not really a reason for them to not be in the industry except for the barrier of being a token person and not being accepted, not fitting in in this like incredibly cishet white industry that is daunting to be in. And it's hard. Like I, I would never say to like a person of color who wanted to enter the industry that there's not going to be difficulties surrounding it and being, you know, one of the only people like you in a company and in an industry it's it's hard it's very male dominated and like I've talked to like about this like on every episode so far but like like when you're like not looked at like an expert because of like either like your gender or your color of your skin like I just that makes no sense to me like it's yeah I just can't wrap my head around like how that's okay and like people group in groups that look like them it's so like I get if you get a whole bunch of white guys they're all gonna group together so like I get that but like that shouldn't be an excuse like that like people get left out of like conversations and that yeah and I think I think the assumption that women or non-binary people or like any marginalized gender is not knowledgeable in beer just because of their gender and the way that they present is such a inherently misogynistic way to view human beings. Oh, 100%. Uh, I'm writing an article right now for Diversity and Brewing about, it was originally going to be just about mansplaining in the industry, but it's kind of expanded talking to trans and non-binary and women in the industry about their experiences. And it's pretty much across the board that people have been dismissed or you know people want assume you don't even like beer even if you're at an event or working in the industry or if you work in back of house people want to talk to a real brewer and stuff like that so it's from I think both sides you get you get it where you're the only person in the room that looks like you but then you also have customers who just assume that you couldn't possibly be an expert in your field yeah yeah, and that, like, makes zero sense. But it's happening. So, like, it needs to be addressed and it needs to be fixed. And I think it's a very, very long road. Um, and, like, all I can hope for is that more women and more BIPOC and more LGBTQ plus people, like, just keep, oh, infiltrating this, like, very white-dominated industry. Yeah, like, it would be – it's great to have more diverse people entering the industry. But I also think, especially the cishet men that are – currently in the industry need to react when they see these kinds of things happening and kind of say you know what no like she actually does know what she's talking about or she brewed this beer so you can talk to her about it like I don't know anything more about her and kind of have the backs of marginalized people that are being disrespected when you see it happen and really stand up for them because it shouldn't just be the people who are marginalized job to fix everything and we need 100%. the support of allies. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, and I don't want to obviously, like, dismiss every single, like, white man in the industry. Like, there are some super amazing men in the industry. But the ones that aren't being super amazing, like, that needs to, they, like, that needs to change. Because it's, like, not, nothing's going to move forward and nothing's going to change if people don't look at their behavior. Yeah. And I think the more that people talk about their experiences and the more you realize how widespread it is, it's harder to ignore. Like when I've talked a few times about being dismissed as either, you know, as a woman of color, when people ask me things about beer or I get the question all the time, like, do you even drink beer? I hate Um, that question. (laughs) And uh, like, why else would I be working in a brewery? realistically I do want to ask you something like so you're saying like when people don't look at you like the expert or like they dismiss you like I would like to know more about the fermentation workshops you do and like fermentation is like it's 
amazing and it's so challenging and like I have no nothing about yeast and like I try to but it's like it's a whole thing so that's amazing like again I don't know any women who like work in fermentation like do you like yeah I want to know about that <laughs> yeah um it's kind of funny because working in I think people think because I work in beer that's where my interest in fermentation comes from because obviously beer is a fermented product but mm-hmm. yeah I know I was really interested a few years ago in the zero waste movement mm-hmm. and I started learning more about ways that I could in my personal life kind of cut down on food waste so I kind of had this thing that was always happening where I would buy a cabbage for a recipe and I couldn't figure out a way to eat the other half oh or yeah I bought radishes at the market and they were just not as crisp as I'd like it for dipping and I was didn't really know what to do with it and kind of following different figures in that community I found out about uh fermentation and I got the art of fermentation by Sandor Katz from my mother for Christmas one year and it kind of transformed the way that I viewed food the way that I viewed like my ability to provide for myself and you know have sustenance and probiotics and all these things that are really important for our health um and like I had the ability to do it with just a little bit of salt and it's not this like crazy difficult witchcraft alchemist kind of stuff it's pretty simple you just need salt in a scale and I think in the fermentation workshops that I've been teaching it is really cool to see like the surprise on people's faces when they realize that it's uh, not actually that hard and that they can be doing it the whole time by themselves. And um, yeah, I want people to be able to interact with their food more. I think more and more people don't know what they're eating. People can't, you know, prepare things for themselves in the way that we used to and people are wasting things and it's like, good for the environment it's good for your body it's good for uh i know like lots of different reasons and i think it aligns a lot with my morals and yeah it's uh i don't really know anything about yeast either. <laughs> like i just give the uh microbes the opportunity to do what they're gonna do and it's kind of cool to think that we're just constantly surrounded by all of these different little guys that can transform something completely and yeah it's uh very cool well yeah like when they used to ferment beer back in the day they put it like in this like cool ship and it just like caught all the yeast that was like in the air and it was like like wild yeast fermentation and like that's so cool that like it's just it floats in the air and it can just like do what it needs to do and uh, I know, yeah. like, I know, like, Parallel 49 does, like, wild yeast collection and, like, in, like, the height of the, the yeast. I think it's towards the end of summer. And, like, they do all the, like, they go into, like, the parks and stuff and they, like, just catch it in the air and then they brew beer with it, which is, like, super cool. And I even know even less about that. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, he, one of our brewers did a similar thing at the, I think it's called the Experimental Apple Orchard. Oh, yeah. Where he, yeah, he wrangled the yeast that just exists in the air and use it to brew a beer, which is pretty cool. Like, uh, yeah, yeast is fascinating. It just like, you can, it grows exponentially and it really doesn't need that much to be kept alive. But if you mess with it a little bit, I guess it'll give you these awful tasting flavors. So it's like something that you need to respect, but something that's also like, yeah, I don't know, just like part of our history as humans and how we've gone to this point before refrigeration existed, mm-hmm. everything was good because that's how you kept food good. And before they understood what yeast was and how it was making it that water was potable and you felt a little funny after drinking it from stirring it with a magic stick. Like, it's cool to see how humans, before they knew the science behind it, just kind of like, instinctively learned how to interact with it it's it's wild um so i'd love to know like what your like goals are like moving forward in craft beer like if you have any like 
big dreams or ideas of stuff you want to like take forward in your beer career or like, yeah. Or like, cause you have a history degree. Like also is like, that's something you want to pursue or are you like going to take it and like apply it in like the beer world instead? Or I'm not totally sure. Like I, I'm, I've kind of been always like, like I am a big planner in my day to day life, but I think I'm, I'm lucky to have a job right now that, allows me to work on the things I love outside of work and allows me to have a really flexible schedule. Um, As far as long-term goals, I think originally I really wanted to get into the sales side of beer. And I don't know, the longer I've been in the industry, the less I think that I'd probably actually be any good at that. But I don't know. I'm I'm interested in, you know, continuing my education with beer I'd be interested to incorporate some of the things I learned in my degree into that. And I don't know, me and a few friends have this like far-fetched idea that one day we could open a bar together and, you know, bring in all the beers that we love from around the world in the city. And that would be, that'd be, I guess, my dream fulfilled. Um, For now, I'm pretty happy with, the side projects I've kind of been working on, whether it be the fermentation workshops or my work with diversity and brewing, I've been getting a lot of satisfaction with that. And even at strange fellows, I've been hosting or organizing these pop-up series with my events coordinator with a focus on BIPOC and LGBTQ2S plus folks. So it's like pretty cool to be able to use the platform of strange fellows to give opportunities to different kinds of folks to make money and, you know, introduce themselves to customers and get their names out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I I like working and helping people. And I think lessening the effects of oppression is what I would like to do with my life. I'm not 100% sure how that's going to play out career-wise though that's fantastic that's a that's a big a big goal to lessen oppression (laughs) yeah but it's it's a yeah it's a lot to take on but like for diversity and brewing is that is there like you're just going to ride that out like it's something that you guys want to keep going and then eventually have other people join do other boards or like it's something that lives on um or was it kind of just like your guys's baby that you wanted to like run with um I don't know. Like I, like I said earlier, I think it, it kind of like was so well received and so successful in a way that we didn't quite anticipate. I think that's given us the opportunity to let it grow and do other things with it besides um, only the scholarships. Not that it would be an issue if that was all we focused on, but it's kind of great that we had such great reception from the beer community that we now can kind of start to look what else we can do with it, who else we can, you know, bring into the fold, what other voices can we make heard through it and what can we do in working with different breweries to make things better for marginalized folks that exist in breweries. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's just, I keep saying everything's amazing, but like, it's so amazing. Like someone needs to be doing this work and I'm so glad it's being done. And before I, like when I was in development for this podcast, I was like, I don't see a lot of women being like the face of beer and there's not a lot of women bloggers or like women brewmasters. Like it's just not, it's, they're, they're just not, and if there are, they're just not out there and I don't see them enough. And I was like, something needs to change. Like I need to do something. So then I like started developing this and yeah. And then I found out that you guys were doing diversity and brewing. I'm like, I'm so glad somebody else is out there that like was thinking the same that I was that like marginalized people and marginalized genders like need to be highlighted and need to be um, like lifted up in this industry it needs to be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just needs to be equal opportunity and it's not an equal, equal opportunity. So I feel like the yeah, marginalized people need to make themselves heard until it is equal opportunity. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I'd also love to know, like, where you like to hang out on a Sunday, like give some like shameless plugs to some breweries and like what your favorite beer or style is at the moment. 
Because I know it's hard. I always like, what's your favorite beer? And then people get really mad because they're like, you can't ask that question. So it's like what your favorite beer of the moment is. Um, yeah. I have a, my, like my desert island beer is Tilkin Goose. I think I could drink it every single day if I could afford it. <laughs> Never get of it. I, I did a trip to Belgium about two years ago now and visited. I didn't go to Tilkin, but I went to Cantillon and Dre Fontaine and Oud Beer Cell and really fell in love with seeing these traditional processes right in front of me um that would be my desert island beer as for like beers i've been styles i've been drinking a lot lately um i know i said that i didn't like lagers when i first got into the industry (laughs) but i feel like there's a bit of a lager renaissance lately um so been drinking a lot of fest beers this month because there's been a few locally made like house of funk made one uh, the 33B Experimental Brewery made one yeah. and Grangefellas also made one, which is great. So, like, it's kind of cool to see. I don't want to use the word diversity, but I can't think of a better term of loggers. All the different kinds, and it's more than just an American light logger. Um, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. Yeah, well, loggers, like, I feel the same with, like, loggers and pilsners. Like, they are such a crisp, clean, like, beer that they have to be done right and, like, properly or they're garbage. So, like, there's a lot of art that goes into a lager or a pilsner. So, like, I can, like, really respect that. But, like, yeah, like, when I thought loggers back in the day, I just thought, like, someone drinking a Budweiser or, like, a Coors. But there's so much more to them than that in in craft beer anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah, they can be like, yeah, when they're, then they're brewed properly and like they're, yeah, they're, they're art because like you have to get like so crisp and so clear and so clean. And like, that can be really tricky. Yeah. I, uh, you can't really hide it. That's no, I think really, if you goof on like a stout or IPA or a kettle sour or something like that, you can probably mess around and cover it up a bit if you, Oh, totally. But yeah, with a pilsner, if you had a flaw in your brewing process, you're gonna taste it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and then like yeah, we're like uh, want to give some shameless plugs to some places you like to hang out and like that you enjoy being yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I feel like I haven't been in anywhere for a really long. Yes, time, pre pre COVID, pre pre. Because I haven't been like anywhere either, like a couple of places and a little bit more now that I'm I'm interviewing some people in person. So I've been to some more places, but like, yeah, like the last like eight months, I haven't been anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's like a few places I really like. Um, I'm kind of a homebody, but in my neighborhood, there's this place called the Kino Cafe that does mm-hmm. comedy on Fridays and Saturdays. Oh, fun. And they've actually been doing it through covid um they have like plexiglass set up and all the tables are apart and capacity is obviously quite a bit smaller uh than it used to be but yeah it's been nice to go and see something live because i feel like i hear this from a lot of people like missing live music missing live theater all these kinds of things oh it's nice to be able to like uh, stimulate that part of your brain and go and experience that, especially if you can go out with a friend from your bubble. It's really nice. Uh, so that's like, that's like my, I guess, fun night out kind of in COVID times. Cause I can't be out past 10 PM anymore. Yeah. Uh, right. Local spots. I really love um, brass neck. They're like got a big place in my heart. Um, I've always enjoyed their beers, like the raspberry changeling. Oh my God. I, I Yeah. I used to live in the North shore and whenever they would put it out, I would drive over with growlers and fill it up back then. Just That's I amazing. Loved that much. And I think Brassnick was, and I, I like, I wasn't an expert in craft beer and I wouldn't even say I am now, but they were pretty consistent in having a great sour beer available a lot of the time yeah so when I first got into beer and that's all I really liked it was nice to be able to go visit uh that place and be able to 
try different sours and the bartenders there have always been incredibly kind to me I've always had a really great experience there I've always felt welcomed like it's a great space great beer the people are great so that's definitely one of my go-to kind of kind of spots yeah I live two blocks from Brass Neck that's a place I had my first craft beer and uh uh, yeah, we consider like Nigel and Conrad, like me and my partner, we consider them like family. Like they're just like the greatest guys. Whenever we've had a question about anything about when we were doing our brewery or the brewery we worked at and uh, like anything, like we could call them and like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're so great. And like we have a, me and my partner, we have a son and like Nigel's like seen our kid just like grow up because we spend so much time at Brass Neck. <laughs> and uh-huh. like, yeah, and it's, yeah, I totally get like the family welcoming feel like that you're talking about it's just yeah it's such a great place it's yeah and they're so yeah so consistent and I like that they always have something different but they try to keep like similar styles on so there is always something for everybody if someone's looking for a specific type of beer if it's not the same one you had last time they'll have something similar um yeah and yeah I can drink a raspberry changeling like yeah every day for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah true. I don't think my teeth would be happy about it oh no I not would- at all <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, if I had it, I always work Sunday mornings, but if I had one off, I think like my, one of my favorite lazy Sunday spots to go to is Livia. Um, oh, okay. They're on the drive and they are phenomenal bakers, but it's like very similar to Brass Neck where they have a really great team that always kind of like gone above and beyond to make your experience great. And then they have um, spaghetti carbonara for breakfast. Ooh, yes. I can't believe I never thought of on my own. Like literally the smartest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh my God. I I love pasta so much. (laughs) Yeah. I, pasta is my homeboy. I, yeah, I, hang out too much past it but yeah, yeah, oh, yeah they're great great spot i also if i'm not drinking beer i think i would go have, have you been to the juice bar yeah in oh in gas no i'm thinking something else and no i haven't what's it like yeah so juice bar is a natural wine bar in gas town and i don't i i don't actually know a ton about wine i like it but I kind of started learning about it. And I think people that really like things like gooses and lambics also tend to really like natural wine. And when I was in Paris, I started kind of drinking them because they were very hot and trendy and new at the time and just kind of discovered the juice bar and started going there and trying all these. I don't even know how they get all these cool wines, but they're very, very knowledgeable about wine and they have a cool little spot. And I think, I don't know if they're still doing it during COVID, but they used to kind of have like a different chef do different menus. So they'd have like guest chefs that were kind of well-known around Vancouver. And yeah, they're, uh, if you like wine and you want to learn more about it, it's a really great spot to go. Yeah. And one more spot I want to talk about. That yeah. I it's right by Strangefells, actually. It's called the Coho Commissary. Okay. They have, like, a little coffee shop off of it. But in the commissary, they have all these amazing food producers that I I love. And I've been buying their products for a long time. But I didn't actually realize it was all, like, conveniently under one roof. So they have like Hanai Family Table and the Real Dumpling King and Kula Kitchen and Elbow Patties and Tall Shadow Breads and all these amazing dope food makers in the city. And you can call ahead and they have like a really great COVID procedure. So you just pay for your stuff and then they come meet you at the door and you can pick it up. And it's a really great spot and resource, especially in Grainfield doesn't really have anything around it food-wise. No. Fujia, which we yes. love at Springfield, but I think we eat 
so much of their food you just want to change it up every once in a while oh yeah yeah totally to have all these like small businesses under one roof that you can buy stuff for and bring home to make or bring to the park and eat and I've been really digging their stuff a lot lately I've driven by them before but I haven't been in so I'll have to um because yeah usually strange balls is like the last place we hit when we're out because we know that they don't like there's not a lot around there to eat so if we're gonna eat we'll go somewhere else we usually do a pretzel when we get to strange bells because like i love pretzels um but but like usually if we're gonna eat something like we'll go somewhere else that's near food or that has food um just because there isn't a lot and then also parking on on uh clark can sometimes be funky and like it's yeah trying to get like in and out of strange bells is hard so it's yeah i think we're usually like the first or last off yeah because we're like just lately out of the like denser brewery area but yeah we uh we were kind of like expanding our food program before covid and yes it's just so difficult to do things safely and with re- reductions in capacity there's just less customers around all the time i think we're lucky that we've done pretty well like for the most part, weekends feel kind of similar, like, apart from, you know, the mask and sanitization, but busy and lots to do, lots of faces and lots of people to talk to about beer. But, yeah, the we've been trying to bring in more food trucks on the weekends for folks to have some stuff to eat. But, yeah, Clark Drive is kind of, kind of like a black hole sometimes, <laughs> it feels like. There's just, yeah. like... There's a there's not a lot going on around there, obviously, but there actually is like lots of cool art studios, jam spaces, and breweries, and little co- small like hole in the wall diners and stuff. So, the longer I've been at Strange Fells, the more I've found in the area, and I really do like Clark Drive, even though it's kind of like an industrial wasteland sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, totally. We're pretty close to the drive, but like not so close that you can just pop over for food and then get back in time. So yeah. So like the last question I want to ask, usually I ask like, um, like what your advice is for women who want to get into the industry, but like, I'd love to like narrow that in and be like, what is your advice for BIPOC women trying to get into the industry? Yeah, my my advice would be to look at the brewery you want to work at and see what the people look like there, see how they've talked about what's been happening in regards to, you know, systemic racism and anti-blackness. Um, like, if a brewery has never mentioned anything about it, it's maybe not a priority priority to them, and it won't be the easiest place to work. And some breweries I've seen more and more have kind of been putting in their applications, like we encourage BIPOC and uh, LGBTQ to us plus folks to apply. I saw, I think it was Luplo actually in there, like I saw that they were hiring and they posted that they were encouraging BIPOC and queer people to apply. So look for a space that seems as though they want to change, as though they're interested in changing as if like is starting to have the conversation regarding systemic racism, regarding misogyny, and you're never going to find a perfect workplace, but if you're passionate about beer and you, you know, like I think that's enough regardless of your gender or race to be able to enter the industry. And there's a lot, there's not a lot, but there are queer people and people of color in the industry that you can reach out and talk to and ask their opinions on places that would be good to work places that maybe that they can talk to and get you an opportunity and stuff like that and just kind of like get to know people in the community that you feel like are gonna care about you and want to help you because I think I know all the women and queer people and people of color I know in the industry personally all want more people that look like us and we want to see ourselves reflected in the industry and I don't think any of us would you know if someone was interested in entering the industry uh, not want to be able to encourage them and help them along the way that's yeah 
That is so awesome. Um, so if people want to get involved in diver- like the other people of color or queer people want to get involved in diversity and brewing, or people want to send you money to diversity and brewing, how should they do that? On diversity and brewing's page, we have um, e-transfer and PayPal that is going towards the blog and hopefully some other future projects that we want to get work started working on um, for the scholarships. We're trying to get a commitment from breweries for that. So it's not as much consumer based just because we want breweries to commit to paying every year so that the scholarship doesn't disappear next year. Mm-hmm, of course. Uh, uh, BIPOC and queer folks who are interested in working with or getting involved with diversity and brewing should contact us at diversityinbrewing at gmail.com. That is super awesome. And then, so if people want to apply for the scholarship, would they just do the same email? If people want to apply for the scholarship, they can email and Heather would be happy to point them towards the resources for applying. But uh, this year's already been filled with the three applicants. So I'm not sure if KPU is taking applications for next year. Oh, okay. Like I know... I know they will be at some point, but I don't, I don't actually know when that opens. And I, I'll email Heather about that and get sure, back yeah. to you. Cause I'm yeah, yeah. hopefully shared. This was so great. Thank you like so much for talking to me. I know it can be super hard to talk about like feminist issues and like everything that's going on with anti-blackness and like black lives matter movement. And uh, I, I feel like I need to continue educating myself. So sometimes I use like the wrong language or the wrong like ways to, express myself but like I super appreciate you wanting to talk about it with me and like to you know air it to the world uh, <laughs> um that it takes a lot to it's a lot to take on to be asked like what like yeah what needs to be done so I really appreciate that oh thank you thanks for reaching out I uh feel kind of like a celebrity now yeah I'm trying to like get in touch with like all these amazing women they're like why do you want to talk to me and like because you're a woman and you're in beer and I want to talk to you and like because every interview is always white men (laughs) and I'm tired of seeing white men but I love white men they're fantastic but I'm just I there needs to be more representation because there are people of color and there are women there are queer people in the industry and like where are they like this, so they need to yeah. be need to be highlighted and and not just on International Women's Day or not just in Pride Month. Yeah, it absolutely. Be, it needs to be all the time because we're all here and we make up a huge part of the population. And yeah, and I think like women and people of color and marginalized genders, like and queer people, all bring diversity to the industry, but it also makes it like broaden who feels comfortable in these spaces i hear yes. a lot from people of color and queer people that they don't know if a, if a space is safe for them so being able to see someone who looks like you being able to talk to someone who's like you and interact with them in breweries it helps a lot and, and you know from a financial point of view which is not really the way I look through the world but it is a good thing to have diversity because you broaden who your customer base is by making people feel welcomed and important and comfortable in your spaces you're, yeah you're only going to make more money if more people want to come to your location like it only makes sense like yeah 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 and no it shouldn't be about dollars but it should be about paying BIPOC women yeah. um to do jobs that they, that anyone can do. Um, so like that part's important, but like also, yeah, like if you want to make money and you want your business to thrive, especially in Vancouver and especially in East van, um, diversity is so important. Um, yeah. cause I feel like we're a very diverse city and like just being in East van, we're a very diverse community, but then like where, why isn't that showing up in more businesses? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't have yeah. answers for that question, but I'm hoping that I'm just um, saying to the, all the all the brewery people out there listening, if you don't care about other people, at least care about making more money and hire <laughs> marginalized people. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. I hire marginalized people. That's so like just so important, and it should be number one. And yeah, and like yeah, I don't know. I'm not going anywhere with that. It just you should do it. 
<laughs> that there is there is no buts. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. I'll have to meet you in person soon, one day. Um, I was just at Strange yeah. Fellows. I was just at Strange Fellows on the weekend, but we only stayed for one beer because we had to get home to pick up the the baby. But uh, you probably would recognize Trav and I. Like Trav, like does the beard and mustache competition every year at Strange Fellows, and he always comes yeah, in I was, second. I was <laughs> okay, well we're doing it. We're doing it again this year. Oh, are you? Please. Oh, virtually. Yeah. Okay. We can't do it in person. Yeah, it's, it's too safe, much. But we we want to continue it and that tradition because it is a lot of fun. So yeah, we're definitely going to be doing a virtual one. Um, but. Yeah, I was looking at your pictures and you look familiar, but yeah, it's hard to be like, am I just imagining it or do I know them? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, like, yeah, so Trav and I, we worked at Monkey Nine in Richmond. So because we were super yeah. far out, we didn't always see everybody. We weren't always in everything because we were like near Fuggles, like by the tunnel. So it was hard, but yeah. But yeah, I'm sure our, our paths will cross. I'm pretty oh, no I'm, sure. I'm pretty noticeable. I have like bright purple hair and Travis has a huge curly mustache. So we're not yeah. <laughs> we're not unnoticeable. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm bartending less, but I'm at I'm bartending usually two or three days a week, so I'm sure I will see you soon. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna keep saying thank you. Um I super yeah, I super appreciate you taking the time to do this with me on a Wednesday and like you don't know me and I'm yeah, and I'm like, hey, I wanna I wanna talk about race and gender. (laughs) So thanks so much. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Bye. (sighs) That was great. I so hope you enjoyed that and you learned something and you got something out of it because I just feel like it's so important to talk about racism and sexism and the intersectionality between everything because when it doesn't get talked about, it gets ignored and it just, it's a cycle and just keeps happening and happening and happening. So I want to thank Megan again for coming and talking to me and getting vulnerable and answering all my questions. I know it can't be easy, again, to be one of the only black women in the industry and then all these questions fall onto you. Megan is amazing, and I feel so grateful that we got to have such a raw conversation. So if you want to follow Megan on Instagram, which you should, her Instagram handle is at BlackVogue. That's B-L-A-C-K-V-O-U-G-E. Um, and she currently works for Strange Fellows Brewing. You can follow them on Instagram at, at @strangefellowsbrewing. They're located at 1345 Clark Drive in East Vancouver. Uh, If you want to follow Diversity in Brewing, they are at Diversity in Brewing on Instagram or diversityinbrewing.com online. So I think the most important takeaways that I'm going to leave you with for this week is that there should be more BIPOC and more LGBTQ plus people in this industry. And the way to make that happen is to hire more marginalized people and to make your spaces safer and more inclusive for marginalized people. And like Megan said, we need to have the backs of marginalized people. So until next time, I'm Keisha, the East Van Beer Wife, and I'm celebrating women in beer, always.